Joe, I'm part of the church family here. Um, so the reading for this evening is from uh, John chapter 13, uh, verses 1 to 17. Uh, so that can be found on page 1081 of the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. So that's John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you, Joe. Uh, my name is Matthew. I'm a youth worker here. And like all good youth workers, I love a good visual aid. And this story, Jesus washing his disciples' feet, has a really obvious visual aid for me to use, and I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to wash anyone's feet. Not because I think your feet are disgusting, but because I don't think your feet are disgusting enough for the visual aid to work properly. <laughs> you may have an ingrown toenail, but Jesus' disciples wore sandals. They just walked into town probably at least an hour walk through dusty, on long dusty streets in a hot country, dirt roads, and probably streets that were used by animals as well as people. So goodness knows what the camels and the sheep and the goats and the donkeys had left behind for them to step in. Their feet would have been rank. 
and I don't think your feet are rank enough, probably, for the visual aid to work. <laughs> no, I have not seen your toes. That is true. They've just come for Passover. Their feet would have been disgusting, but they'd come for a special event. The center of their religious beliefs. When they remembered their ancestors being rescued from God. This was a really important time. Normally, a time that you'd spend with your family. But these followers of Jesus have followed Jesus so far now that they can't just pop home easily to spend Passover with their family. So they spend Passover with Jesus and each other instead. And Jesus knows that this isn't just Passover. This is his last night the night when he's going to be betrayed, put on a mock trial, and killed. And so we get the start of this passage. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is the start of a series of sermons we're going to be looking at what Jesus said to his followers on his very last night before he died. What he said to them. John, who wrote this account, records more of this time in this room than any of the other people who wrote down Jesus' lives. The most famous thing, oddly, that happened that night was that Jesus started Communion. He changed Passover, a ritual that had been practiced for year on year, for generation on generation, passed down from father to son and from mother to daughter, and Jesus changed it. And John doesn't mention that. But we're going to remember that later in the service. We're going to share bread and wine. It's a really, really important bit of the Bible this time of Jesus talking on his last night before he dies. It, where we get a lot of our understanding of the Holy Spirit, of the church, of who Jesus thought we are and were. But we're going to start by looking at who Jesus was. We're going to look at three things that Jesus does. Three parts. We're going to look at three different parts. And for each part, we're going to look at a different bit of the passage. And for each part, I'm going to suggest some ways that you might want to be impacted by that, by what Jesus did. The first thing that Jesus does here is he serves It's very obvious. Jesus serves the disciples. And John, who wrote this account, does something really odd here. Something he doesn't do very often. He has the audacity to think he knows what was going through Jesus' head. He doesn't just tell us what Jesus did. John thinks he knows what Jesus was thinking. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. John was one of Jesus' friends, one of his followers, one of his disciples. Probably John was the youngest of the group that went around with Jesus a lot. And John was one of the people who wrote down what Jesus did and what Jesus said and what happened to Jesus. And although John was probably the youngest when it all happened, he was the last to write down his account. By the time he wrote it down, he was probably approaching being an old man. It was still fresh in his memory because he told it many times and he thought about it. And John, as well as being the youngest disciple, I think was probably the smartest of the people going around with Jesus, mostly because the rest seemed like idiots. But John was a smart man who thought about Jesus a lot. And John thinks he knows what was going through Jesus' head when he did this. And John thinks what was going through Jesus' head was thoughts about Jesus' power and authority. To John, one of the closest, absolute closest people to Jesus, John can't think about how Jesus served him without thinking about who Jesus was and his authority. To John, it seems like Jesus' serving and Jesus' authority are completely linked in his head. He think, when he thinks about Jesus serving, he thinks about Jesus being a king. And I strongly suspect from his other writings that when John thought about Jesus being a king, he also thought about Jesus serving. They weren't separate thoughts to John, who knew Jesus incredibly well. I wonder if you struggle with one of those two thoughts. Do you struggle with the idea of a God who serves? Do you struggle to think that God wants good things for you? God cares for you. God loves you. God looks after you. Do you struggle with that thought? Perhaps you struggle with the other thought. That God has authority over you. God makes the rules. God decides what happens. God gets to make decisions. And we try and work out what those decisions are. Do you struggle with God, a God that serves or a God that is king? We talk about servant king. Which do you struggle with? I'll be honest. I used to struggle with the idea of God having authority. To be honest, nowadays, if there's either part of that that I struggle with, I struggle with God serving. Sometimes, one of the mistakes that I can make if my thinking about God isn't right is I end up thinking about God as boss. I think of God as my boss. Maybe sometimes you think about God similarly. Or maybe you just think of God as a friend. There's truth in both of those. But the way the Bible talks about God is much more beautiful. The Bible talks about God as a father. 
not necessarily an earthly father who can sometimes, maybe even often, be rubbish, but a perfect father. A parent has authority over their child that uses that authority for the benefit of the child. Even in this passage, Jesus is referred to as both a te- as a teacher. He says, you refer to me as teacher and Lord. A teacher can't be a teacher if there's not some authority. But also, a teacher-student relationship, whatever that kind of connection is, it's not for the benefit of the teacher. Jesus taught the disciples. He was not their boss, and not just their friend. He was their teacher. Jesus served, and Jesus had authority. And if you've only got one of those two sorted in your head, you've got less than half of the picture. The beauty comes in a servant king who serves and has authority. The next thing Jesus does is he cleans. Cleans disgusting feet. I wonder if John, many years later writing this down, smiled when he thought about the reaction of his other friend Peter. It makes me smile. Because Peter as Peter so often is, is almost correct, but crucially wrong. Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and it gets time for Peter to have his feet washed. And Peter goes, no, 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 no. You're in charge. I respect you. I'm not letting you wash my feet I have too much respect for you to let you do that for me. And Jesus absolutely slams him down. If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. It's a weird ultimatum. Let me wash you or you have or go away from me. Jesus insists on Peter letting Jesus serve him, let him wash him. Peter flicks the other way and, as always, is almost completely correct and crucially wrong. If Jesus says that you have to let him wash you in order to have part with him, Peter's reaction is, then wash all of me, not just my feet. I want to be as much part with you as I can. And Jesus says, but you don't need that. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. It's kind of talking about two levels of being washed. Two levels of confessing our sins. 
I was trying to think of an analogy for this, and my phone is dying, so I've been looking at mobile phone deals, and a lot of them, you pay a lump sum to start with, and then you get your phone, and then you have to keep on paying monthly after that. And I thought, is it a bit like that? Maybe a little. Or friendship. You spend enough time with someone, you become their friend. But you still have to continue spending time with them to maintain the friendship. Is it a bit like that? Maybe. But I came to the conclusion that Jesus was probably right, and the best analogy is washing. But not for us for feet, because we don't need to wash our feet, because normally we have shoes, and normally we're not walking down dusty streets, because most of our streets are like pavements and concrete, and it's fine. But maybe our hands. Maybe you're, I hope some of you, quite a lot of you are like me, and most mornings, pretty much every morning, I wash. I have a shower. But then, occasionally during the day, I'll do something that gets my hands dirty, and when I get my hands dirty, I don't go and have a full shower. I just wash my hands. I don't cut up some onions and then go and have a shower. No, I just wash my hands. You don't go and have a shower after every time you use the loo. We just need to keep our hands clean. And Jesus instead talks about feet, because for them, feet were the thing that got repeatedly dirty. And it talks about kind of two levels of being forgiven, of washed of our sin. The first level is kind of the big one. You become a Christian, you start following Jesus, and your state of sin, the fact that you are, were in rebellion against God, is dealt with, washed away. You are clean. But the fact of living as a human being Christian or not, is we get things wrong. Not just by mistake, not just by accident, we choose to not do the right thing. So it's not just that we have a state of sin that's been cleaned, we still act sinfully. We still do sins. And we need to repeatedly go back to God, acknowledge how we've broken his commands and get forgiven for those as well. I wonder where you're at. Some of you might not even know if you've had that big first wash, the big, if you confess the big state of sin, if you've accepted Jesus, if you've had that big wash. If you're not sure, or if you know you haven't, and you'd like to know more, go along to Alpha. Or don't even wait for Alpha. Find someone who looks like they maybe had something up front, like talk to me or Callum or Trevor. Come and talk to us, and we'll pray with you. It's not complex. All you've got to do is let God wash you spiritually. Or, for I imagine most of us, 
we've had the big, the big life-changing thing, maybe. Or you pre, you're confident that you have been forgiven for your, your previous rebellion against God. Are you going to God repeatedly and regularly and going, God, I've done it again. Please forgive me. I need that washed away. I'm not as good at that as I should be. And I imagine I'm not the only one. Don't be like Peter and let your pride get in the way of God dealing with your sins. Jesus serves and he washes and then he moves on to the third thing he does. He instructs. Having served, Jesus exercises that authority that he has. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus here is claiming to be master of the people whose feet he just washed. He's, and he's going to, he knows he's going to send them out. They are going to be his messengers. And he's saying, I am your master. You are actually less than me, Jesus says. And I've done this for you, so go and do it for everyone else. If I'm willing to do this for you, you have no reason not to be willing to do it for everyone else. This is the last great bit of teaching that Jesus gives. It might even be the greatest, biggest, most important bit of teaching that he gave. And he starts it by setting an example and telling them to follow it in doing it. Serve each other. And once again, I come to this and go, whoa, do I do that? Really? Sometimes, I think. Do I serve? Can I just say, actually, this bit of logic, Jesus' argument, only works for those who follow Jesus. If you're in that, I'm not sure if I've had the big wash. If you're in that category, you can ignore this bit of the sermon. Because until you're following Jesus, this argument to serve doesn't work. But if you have been washed, if you have been cleaned, if you are trying to follow Jesus, if Jesus is someone you proclaim as your Lord and Savior, this is what he says you should do. Serve. serve in grotty jobs sometimes, washing disgusting feet. I don't actually know what that would look like in your life. I barely know what that would look like in my life. Because I don't actually think this is about individual actions as much as it is about an attitude. It doesn't seem like Jesus planned to wash the disciples' feet. 
it doesn't seem like it was part, it seems like it was just a response. The disciples that he'd sent to get ready for the Passover just hadn't remembered that people were going to come in with disgusting feet. Who was going to, they hadn't given out that job. And Jesus saw a need, as little as that need was, and just did it. This isn't one of those go and do big things for Jesus messages. This is a have an attitude that does little things for each other just because you spot they need doing. I'm not sure I could tell you a point by point list of things that you should do for each other beyond. Just be willing to do jobs that you spot that need doing. Jesus serves. Jesus cleanses. And Jesus instructs. That's actually pretty much the whole of the Gospels. Sometimes Jesus serves with miracles that were kind of wondrous events and sometimes Jesus serves with, in very little ways. Jesus cleanses physical feet here but the whole story of the gospel is that actually we need to be cleaned spiritually and Jesus can do that for us. Jesus will do that for us if we ask him to, if we let him. And also, Jesus has authority and he tells us some things that we should do. But we shouldn't separate the instructions that Jesus gives us in our head. We shouldn't separate that from the fact that Jesus serves. Because those who knew him best, like John, saw them as the same thing. It wasn't that there were two sides to Jesus' personality. It wasn't that Jesus had a side of his personality that was a servant and a side of his personality that was the king. The whole of Jesus' personality was he was a servant king with authority for the benefit of those he rules. I'm going to end by reading a bit of the Bible. Not written by John bit of the Bible written by one of the other great thinkers of the early church, possibly someone even smarter than John, a guy called Paul. And the reason I'm reading it is because it's saying the same thing. This is from Philippians 2, starting at verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in his appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I don't know what your reaction to that is. My reaction to most of that is awesome. What, how great is Jesus? And then I look at verse five again. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And that sounds really hard. So perhaps I just need to keep on trying and keep on remembering about the servant king who was willing to wash disgusting feet. 